All right, inappropriate. Earl, we're back. Uh, thank you to Matt Broussard for a very lovely episode last week where we broke down roast battle and writing on the Alec Baldwin roast. Uh, Matt was in the room uh, for I think the last week of the roast uh, preparation. I was uh, with Dr. Ken in our private bunker, and uh, so watch the Alec Baldwin roast on Comedy Central now. And uh, today we have a very special guest. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now. We got the guy getting fired from SNL before he even got started, saying Chank. We've got, uh, you know, with last uh, two episodes ago, me and Chandler, my trusty sidekick, did an episode about stopping a sexual assault on a transgendered woman, uh, which leads me to my next guest. It's not the transgendered woman we stopped the assault on, although I would have her on the podcast, but I. She's been off the grid since that night. Uh, but she's a very funny comic. She's a trailblazer. Uh, she is transgendered, black, uh, hot. I mean, she hits all the check marks. Uh, give it up for Celine Pink Fox Whittington. What's up, Earl? It's a lot of fucking... Uh, it's like the time I had to introduce Slash's solo band on the show. They've got like three names. <laughs> Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Uh, wow, that's a lot. Well, it's a lot, but I mean, there's so much to talk about. And I always say this when I have a comic on. You know, we see each other at the comedy store oh, mainly. Yeah. All the time. Sometimes at the improv. That's true, too. And swingers late night. That's true. Yeah, sometimes out to eat for uh, late breakfast. But we know each other, but we don't. That's true. Like, I know virtually nothing about you, which I love. Oh, that's awesome. So we're going to start with you. Thank you. And then we're going to get into the, you know, various news topics of the day. Okay. And even uh, Caitlyn Jenner being on the Alec Baldwin roast is probably something we could get into. I mean, if you want, yeah, we could talk about it. <laughs> well, because I, uh, you know, when I was writing uh, for Dr. Ken on the roast, uh, that was a very tricky a subject to tackle. Uh, because apparently Caitlin is not well liked or received in the trans community. Yeah, we don't. Uh, we don't. You know. <laughs> no, I don't. I, yeah, well, uh, so, okay, so uh, and don't, I'm not. Uh, we don't claim. You know, I, and I, I don't understand why, but uh, I don't understand the I'll trans world. It. I mean, so, I, let's well, get into I, it. You know, from from what I've heard, it's just that there's so many of us, and we all. Uh, we all subscribe to to certain points of view and the unpopular points of view, they kind of rub everybody the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? So without getting into too much detail, Caitlin has some really unpopular points of view. Being a uh, Trump supporter. Well, th yeah. And, you know, some other stuff. And then also a, a lot of a lot of uh, I don't want to say resentment, but a lot of our. uh transition happens over time because it's so expensive so you know someone who just goes and gets the shit done seemingly overnight it just all hits us like what the fuck you know what i'm saying and everybody just kind of is like well you never really went through the process and so you didn't experience it almost like a comic that you know maybe was famous for something else chooses to do comedy and all of a sudden they blow it. they never had to do the the little rooms and the the bringers and anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of look at this guy like, oh, fuck this guy. You know what I mean? Like there's right. a there's a feeling about it. 
And I think that's that's what's up with Caitlyn. I haven't met Caitlyn. I don't know Caitlyn. And without, you know, speaking too much on it, because I think she lives in Calabasas, and I live in Calabasas. Yeah, maybe you guys are homies. Who the fuck? I mean, homies, no, but neighbors, maybe? Who the fuck knows? Or, you know, maybe she lives up the street, and I see her at Whole Foods one day. Like, I don't want to talk shit in my ass beat in the fruit section. So... But it was very interesting, like some of the jokes I wrote or that we wrote, because we lo- wrote a lot together and then he wrote a lot of his own stuff and then I would come in with, uh, we'd start off with a Bruce Jenner reference and uh, I was told by many of my trans friends, because, you know, I live in West Hollywood. Yes. Uh, oh, you can't mention the dead name. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, the dead name is crazy. That's like the one thing I, I'm... Not nervous about, but can you explain what the dead name is? Because I'm sure most of my uh, uh, viewing audience doesn't uh, know what the hell that is. Because if I don't know what it means, I don't think they're gonna know. So basically, your dead name is your name before you change your name, and you know you've changed your name mentally, even if it's not legally first. Right. And you know, coming up with the name sometimes, uh, you know, you're lucky enough to have a, a solid family base, and you let your mom rename you. I have a friend who did that and her mother renamed her. And uh, it's just a name that you have to imagine before transition, we're just trying to follow the rules of what it means to be whatever we're perceived as, you know, and it's acting for a lot of us because it's not what comes natural, but what comes natural is unpopular. So, you know, that the decision to transition and be your most authentic self that person that she used to play the role as is attached to the dead name. And it brings up all that hurt when you hear someone call you by it or mention it. It brings up all the years that you couldn't be yourself. Right. And and that's that's why it's a dead name. We don't use that anymore. That's why it's it's like that. Like you don't reference yours at all. Fuck no. I would never reference my dead name. And and as a comic or, you know, someone that gaining a little more more people are, are knowing who I am as I do more things over time, somebody's going to find out my dead name. Someone's going to recognize me from high school or something like that. And I'm okay. It's just, I'm not that person. I was never that person, you know? And my last name is, is a tricky one because I'm half Italian. My whole, my dead name's Italian. So my name, I was a junior and my dad's a gangster, you know, from the eighties. So that name was almost something that I felt like, fuck, I got to live up to this name. And I've never been a rough person. Like, right. I, you know, I had a temper as a kid and I've made some mistakes, but I've never been like, I've never shot anybody. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm not that kind of person. I always say like on stage, my cousins preferred kills. I preferred heels. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, that's that's what I like. So that name comes with a lot for me. And, uh, and yeah, you grew I, up in South Philly, right? I grew up everywhere. But yeah, I'm born in, born in New Jersey, born in South Jersey, uh, Camden, right over the bridge from Philly. I didn't live in Camden until I was an adult, but I lived in uh, like Turnersville, which, right. which is you know right off the the Atlantic City Expressway, and it's a Jewish and Italian neighborhood, and you know I was like one of three black kids at my school, so I did that. But then my dad's from Philly, and so I lived in Philly for a little bit, and I went to school out there too. So I lived with my dad for a little bit too, just to kind of experience it. When he got out of jail, so my dad was in prison. Uh, my dad went to jail when I was four, and he got out when I was ten. Okay. And, you know, when he got out simultaneously, my mother had just gotten married and moved me to Sacramento. So I lived in the Bay Area in Sacramento until I was about 14. 
And then we moved back to New Jersey. My mom got a divorce. And, uh, you know, my grandmother flew me up for Christmas that year. And then I got to see my dad. And it was like the first time I'd seen my dad since since I was 10. So. And around what time? So you, you were born a man. Born, or born, a, born, a boy. You or, say born. Uh, or like you, from, a, from, from a from a body part perspective. Yeah. You say biologically male. Uh, right right biologically male and what uh, like at what point do you uh start to feel like i'm I, you might not be uh that the body doesn't so the mind and the body um literally don't correlate and for me like most trans women i was four you know the first time you recognize your sense of self you recognize something is off but so, how like what what do you mean uh like, it's just uh stereotypically likes and dislikes the way your brain works the, your thoughts and the shit that comes natural to you so if you think like well boys are naturally into sports and boys are naturally a little rougher and all of the stereotypical shit that you think that come with boys when you think about what comes with a little girl that's what i was like i was very timid i was very you know i was i was all of my girlfriends were my girlfriend like i i i literally only hung out with girls and i didn't know that i was male until I was in like fucking pre-K, dude. I'm in the schoolyard playing double Dutch. And I tell this story on stage too, but I'm playing double Dutch and all of my little girlfriends are like, oh, I have a crush on, let's just say for namesake, Jimmy. All right, I've got a crush on Jimmy. And uh, so I'm like, you know, all little girls fall into to, to place. They're like, oh yeah, Jimmy's so cute. I was like, oh yeah, I like him too. I didn't really like him, but... I like him too. It's to be a part of the thing. And I'm like, I'm going to go tell him I like him. All right, cool. So I walk over to him and I'm like, hi, I think you're cute or whatever. You know, will you be my boyfriend? Some like kid shit. I don't know what the fuck I said, but he was like, ew, no, you're a boy. And it, and that hit me like a ton of bricks. Is up until that point, nobody said anything. I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just, that was news to me. So I went home with that. I cried. And I'm like, oh, this boy told me I'm a boy and blah, blah, blah. And my, my, my grandparents at the time were the ones that talked to me about it. And they were like, well, sweetheart, you are a little boy, you know. So that was my sense of self. I didn't, I didn't fucking know until someone told me. Because kids can be very mean. Kids can be cruel as fuck. Yeah. But, and, but kids, one thing about kids, kids are honest. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So me telling my parents and my grandparents how I feel and what comes natural is not me. This is 94 when this happened. I'm not trying to fall into no fucking fad. I'm different and it's unpopular. And so me being myself and, you know, my favorite color has been pink my whole life. Hence I go by pink Fox. Um, and it's just everything that's come natural to me has been delicate, feminine things. One could say there's some men that like feminine things. That doesn't make you a woman. No, what makes you a woman is the way your fucking brain works and the way your body reacts to certain thing and your chemistries. That's what makes you a woman. You know, when you scan when you scan the the brain pattern of a trans woman and you look at the brain patterns of a, a cis born, which is a biologically born male who identifies with being a male, and a cis woman who was born a female and identifies with being female, the brain represents whatever the body is leaning toward. Like mine is female. You scan my brain, my brain patterns match female brain patterns, you know? And you right. got people telling you these things. I'm not a fucking doctor. 
oh, I just read. I don't do nothing. You know, what, what brain machine am I using to scan anything? These are just all things that are coming up to try to help us understand what it is we're going through. 1.1 million transgender people in the United States and counting. We can't all be fucking making it up. You know what I'm saying? And it's not fun. The shit is it's the ridicule, the violence, being a black trans woman myself. I and I mean, I'm always thinking about my own mortality. I mean, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed at night, dude. Like I it's it's so um trying. It's just a lot of work. I can go on for hours about that shit. Please do. But I, that's I mean, that's that's what it is though. You know, a lot of a lot of the time, because I don't I don't shield myself. I don't put myself in LGBTQ environments solely. I'm usually at the comedy store, at the improv. I'm around cis people all day, every day, mostly heterosexual. And I'm explaining, you know, first, everybody gives me my respects. Like, sure. I've yet to have at the store anyone address me the wrong way or make a big deal out of my situation. I've had some run-ins with some some black comics at different places like the improv i you know they find out and then all of a sudden oh bro that's a nigga bro like you know what I, do you mean they find out like don't like because you're very feminine looking yeah yeah i pass that's and then they, they fi- find out oh it used to be a dude what are you a fag exactly and you know i've never been one to shield it i feel like i say it on stage it's my opening joke you know i'm transgender and if you can't tell that means the pills are working and i'm getting my money's worth right. I, I open with that and you know it number one shocks the audience because i don't i don't look stereotypically transgender what they'd expect i thought you were a girl when i like well i am a girl girl but but i mean like i I, I didn't think you were trans yeah not that i cared one way or the other nobody ever does i go to the market and i go i run errands all day like nobody fucking stares at me i'm not bigfoot walking through the streets you know what i'm saying like i i just i fall in a suit everybody addresses me as miss and ma'am but I am open and honest, especially with my, my comedian brothers and sisters and counterparts. So those that know my business and those that don't know my business when they meet me on the street, um, you know, there comes a time where I have to say or I choose to say, yeah, by the way, I'm trans. Like one comedian was talking about because I'm also a lesbian, like I like women. Right. So one comic was making they all roast each other outside the improv. And I love these guys. Look. Even though you may not understand my situation and you may say some pretty rude shit to me, if you're an established comic or I like your work, I'm going to be a fan. I'm right. going to like your shit. I'm not going to be fucking like, oh, that guy doesn't like me. Fuck him. No, I'm always learning. And so I'm tolerant of everyone. But it's really bullshit rap when people can't be tolerant of me. That's how I feel. I can listen to your point of view all day long. But when you shit on me and mine, what's the point? Like, what's the point of giving you respect? You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we're going to get into it a little later, but, like, that's the one thing the Shane Gillis SNL oh, yeah. thing has really shown me is people don't know how to accept another person's viewpoint. No. Like, I've had two people block me today just because, and we'll get into it, you know, yeah, yeah, later, yeah. but, like, it's like, oh, just because I disagree with you? Like, you know, like, it's a very shallow world. And I think, especially in the comedy world, comics tend to argue i'm right you're wrong yeah or their viewpoint like that well no it's like i don't think i'm right about that situation i have my opinion on it and you know but this one particular person who was asian and he's very offended by what was said which i get it's like no you're 
you're supporting him. It's like, well, how are you not having a problem with Eddie Murphy who said homophobic stuff? What's the difference? Right. So, you know. Uh, I get that. And I see there's homophobia and transphobia uh, in the comedy world for sure. Just because yeah. it's a very alpha male world, I find. I can curse, right? So. I can curse, right, Earl? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, word. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I like, you want to get into it later or you want to get into it now? We well, we, you know, this is a free flowing podcast. Okay. I, could, like, I could partially talk about it and then we can make it a thing. Yeah, I I stand by this one thing that I do for my comedy, and I'm not the moral authority. At Nobody all, is. I have no bearing on what anybody does, but I feel like as a comic, I only want to create the dialogue around the things that I have knowledge about. I'm not going to start a conversation about something that I don't fucking understand or know about. I could throw something in there like. You know, but the what's the deal with jokes went out a long fucking time ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, who? why are we still? And what's the deal with transgenders? Like, you want to chop off your dick? First of all, do a little research. Figure out that's not what it is. And you fucking sound stupid. And, the, it, you know, the joke would be way funnier if you had a little more knowledge on the situation. In my opinion, if somebody if somebody who's not trans and has an a, a opposite opinion actually took the time to do a little research and hit me with some research shit and made that into a joke, that would resonate. I'd at least listen and be able to hear the joke. When you cut me off at the head, I don't want to fucking, no pun, you know. Right. But I don't want to fucking, I don't want to listen now. But anyway. I mean, most comics are going to do proper research on a joke. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You'd most. Be, you'd be surprised. But I I would hope so. I'd do my research and I, I, I don't know. I guess that's what, separates different comics from other comics. Who the fuck knows? Like I said, I'm not the best comedian in the world. I'm brand new, but I really find it um, troubling and unfunny when I hear people create dialogue around shit they don't understand or know about. And the, the, the guy saying fucking the racial slur about Asians, who the fuck even uses that word? Like, where'd you dig that up from? You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody making a, saying hunky on stage. Nobody says that shit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It yeah, just I'm is, white. It's, it's almost like, what are you talking about? And the fact that the guy got a, uh, got fired and all that shit, you know, I, I don't know the details behind that shit, but it's just like, if you make a mistake, fucking just apologize. You say something wrong, say, hey, listen, it was a different time. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. If you want to read, if you're like, oh, fuck you, I'm not reneging on the joke. Well, that's your fault. Uh, you know, I we're... You're supposed to be learning as you get older. That's what life is. You're you're learning new lessons. You're going through things. If you just remain the same person you were at 18 by the time you're 45, what the fuck was all those years for? All the years of experience just amounted to nothing. Well, I just don't know how... I think SNL's being very selective in their outrage. You know, like we said before the podcast started, you had Chevy Chase saying the n-word that's true uh you had uh, john belushi playing a buffoonish samurai asian uh, you had mike myers playing a buffoonish i think it was an asian game show host yeah. uh you know so the people that want shane gillis fired shaming jokes oh. yeah i mean that's a pretty like wacky show and i love the show I mean, I haven't watched it since they fired Norm Macdonald for making too many OJ jokes. Uh, <laughs> OJ jokes are, I'm just like, oh my God, I just put my hand on my head. But that's why I love about Norm Macdonald is, you know, the head of NBC at the time. I think NBC Sports was Don Olmeyer. 
oj's best friend and i think he made a call to lauren michaels saying hey uh can you guys ease up on the oj jokes and norm mcdonald's like no so i admire him knowing that that would he knew that would probably get him fired he, like he stood by his jokes of making fun of a double murderer but like i just don't like the selective how'd you feel about the oj shit i he mean old, he tired. was my neighbor as a kid really full disclosure he used to throw me the football, so oh, I got no problems with him. Hey, listen, I know I'm I know his son. Oh, uh, what's his son's Justin. name? Justin. I mean, I personally think he did it. Uh <laughs> to be honest with you. Like this was but I think it's just common like I watch a lot of crime shows because I'm obsessed with true crime and you know, I think if you look at that particular crime, I mean, whoever killed Nicole hated her. Like it was a lot of uh emotion in that kill i i just don't think that's a random kill yeah. like when you look at circumstantially who hated her the most is oj because she was fucking other dudes yikes i know johnny cochran throughout though it was drug dealers who she owed money to uh you know which they gave her the colombian necktie like which is a possibility but like his blood's at the crime scene and and i know there's a lot of bad cops there's a lot of racist cops out there that's true but i don't think in the middle of the night 20 detectives got together and said let's frame him yeah it's it's, it's so crazy i'm too young for that well because you went the whole story like i'm I, too young for like i've heard the only thing i've heard is oj jokes that's the whole reason why i know about that situation well, it's just so... What year was that? That was 94. I, don't, I know you never asked a lady when you were born, but were you born uh, around that time? I was born in 90. Okay, so, yeah, so you were four when that... Yeah, I was four. But it was just so... Uh, it was really the first reality show. Like, if you look at the characters, and I know Kato Kalen, we're not friend, like homies, but like he was the dumb neighbor, which you would see on a show like Big Brother, like oh, the, the dopey, good-looking guy. And then yeah. there was you know, this defense team that was like the greatest defense team ever assembled on paper. Yeah. Uh, and then Dream had, team, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like F. Lee Bailey, uh, you know, Carl Douglas, Johnny Cochran, uh, Barry Sheck, and, and like three or four other like uh, Shapiro. Yeah. Even OJ's first loiter, loiter. Well, they were kind of loitering around him. Uh, Howard Weitzman was Mike, Michael Jackson's attorney. Wow. Uh, wow. So it was just like, on on paper, his blood was at the crime scene. His shoe prints were at the crime scene. He had a cut on his thumb. That was she's like, this guy's gone. But then the Mark Furman, you know, N word tape came out and like, oh, it just blew everything. And the bloody glove, which I never really understood. Like he tried on the bloody gloves; they didn't fit perfectly. He must have quit. But you could still kill someone with a glove that's a little snug. I, it didn't bother me that the glove didn't fit. A snug glove doesn't mean that. Yeah, I mean, you could kill someone tonight if you were wearing a size smaller in your sneakers. Okay. Uh, or, or me. I don't know why I put it on you. I was uh, going to say, I, I wouldn't murder a soul. So, uh, if well, that I'm, were the case, I wouldn't, you know. Well, I'm petrified yeah, of prison. I'd so be a I different would, person. I would never do anything that would put me in prison. Fucking same, dude. I Going to visit my dad, and my dad was upstate. One of his, my dad, as a kid. Was he at Rikers? Uh, no, no, no. My dad went to jail in Philadelphia. Okay. And um, it's just fucking horrifying. 
It really is. When you have to go visit a loved one in prison, it's not a fun thing. It's not. And they're happy to see you, but you're just fucking traumatized from the entry. You know, it's like, Jesus Christ, where am I right now? And seeing that at seven, six, eight years old, it it really does something to you. And it really makes it a place you do not want to have to go. So like my whole life, I've been trying to not go to prison. Like that's, it's been the goal, you know? I mean, I can't imagine like. And then me, I would look my situation. I get passed around like a blunt or something. It like, might be popular. Popular. But you might be. Uh, Jesus. I would say. Well, it depends what you're in there for. Like, depends what prison, you know. Like, I know, like San Quentin and Cork. Popular is a funny word, you know. Like for for getting raped every day. I don't know if that would be. Like well, what? Like would they would they take to the stand up jokes? Like, I don't I, know. I mean, it, Jesus. Fuck. I think it depends on who you're in there with. Like, if you're in like. Uh, like know, white like collar just, yeah if you're in there with like bernie madoff and that group uh but do they have or if you're in there with a the gangbanger unit like uh, you know you might that might be rough i hear there's protective custody for trans women. right and if you've had surgery you go to the correct prison right and then just like uh you know there's how they protect pedophiles like they're in their own oh section my god no, yes no i'm not, not putting transgendered <laughs> But I'm saying like pedophiles no, I yeah, I get it. have but, their own. Yeah, they get a wing. I would say trans, if you're like fully. Well, gay or trans. Get gay right. You get your own wing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like snitches have their own. I would say, I don't think they would put a trans uh, person in uh, general population. No. Well, you know. Or maybe no, they would. Knowing um, nothing about prison, only have seen, seen this shit on TV. And, you know, I, outside of being a comedian, I consider myself an activist. So. I'm I'm versed in a lot of different things that happen legally with trans people because um, I speak at shit. I speak at, at gatherings and I mean, I walk the march. Uh, I walk most of the marches and the, at the, you know, uh, gay prides and stuff. Right. So I try to brush up on as much as possible. But that's such a scary world for me to think about as far as prison and jail and all that shit is concerned. I really try not to dive too much. I can't even watch it on TV. Like I, I, I glance at shit and I just keep it moving. Cause once you tune your brain to that, you're fucking stuck on that, you know. But being black, I've dude, driving with one eye on the fucking rearview mirror my whole life has been torment. I mean, it's it's every every day you're really wondering either I'm gonna get pulled over and accosted by the police or I'm gonna get accosted by my own people. There's really no safe space. What yeah. safe space do you have? It's like, I'm going to get shot by one of these niggas. Or a cop is going to look at me, profile me, and try to beat my ass or take me to prison for something like a taillight or fucking speeding at the wrong hour of the night. And I've been pulled out of a car before, had three other people in a car with me, all black, but darker skin. And the cop comes up to me, read my name on the thing, and I had a hell of an Italian name. And the cop's looking at me, and I'm like, listen, my dad's Italian. Like, what do you need to know, officer? I'm very respectful always with people. So, of course, I'm going to be respectful with law enforcement. And I'm speaking to him like I like like I have good common sense. And that's another thing. Like, listen, I understand what's going on in the news and shit's fucked up, but you can't get pulled over and curse the fucking cop out. Like, this is everybody doing this shit now. I've seen a fat white guy do it. I've seen a small white lady do it. It's everyone. Like, you get pulled over and you're like, what the fuck did you pull me over for, asshole? No, do your job. 
You can't. This guy's got a gun on him. Fuck the badge. I'm not mouthing off to anybody with a nine. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think some cops became cops. Not all. Most cops are good. I will say. Most, uh, yes. Please. I know some good police officers. I wouldn't say most or all or whatever. I would, uh, yeah, I would say 80% of the cops are good. And then you get the 20% that were bullied in high school or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's their job to like, you know, I'm going to fuck this person up tonight. Or, you know, even really the cop that, you know, when me and Chandler stopped the whole thing a couple like whatever it was a month ago he kind of gave me and chandler attitude like you could tell he was like not happy to save a transgendered woman yeah, from whatever we saved her from fuck. and he, he was very like you guys didn't call an ambulance i'm like no we just she was about to get raped we called 911 not your fucking cell phone well, actually to be honest with you, i just called the sheriff's department oh directly. did you oh fuck well because well, you could literally you know it happened on the 900 block of larabee uh, I could literally see the sheriff's department. I was like, oh, they'll get here fast. Yeah. Oh, that was smart. And, well, I mean, in the first call, I'm like, hey, listen, I, I, we stopped a sexual assault and robbery. And they were like, can you describe the victim? I'm like, uh, black, possibly transgendered. I mean, I knew she was transgendered, but I was like trying to be like. Diplomatic. Yeah. Politically correct or whatever. And, and they took almost two hours to get there. Literally. And they, you should have said she was a small white woman. Well, that's the funny thing is, uh, so about an hour goes by, I call again, and the, the, the desk sergeant was very cunty and said, you know, we have other calls. And I'm like, well, I know, it's a Friday night, I get it. But I, literally someone was just about to get raped, and then Chandler called about 40 minutes later and said, hi, I'm, I think she said I'm pregnant with my boyfriend. <laughs> and they were there in literally two minutes because Chandler was a white, yeah. yeah that's bullshit dude you know so. it's it's i get slack it's i don't even want to get into that but it comes down to, to it comes down to your experience as a human being and that's pretty much how you view the world if you've been shit on your whole life you shit on other people or you've got like a, a complex probably you know what i mean like it, it builds your character in whichever way that it should go not always in a good way and i feel like Sometimes when people put themselves in positions of authority, you know, it could mean something. I, I don't know what it means. I, you may be a person with a complex, like you want to save everybody. That's a beautiful thing. Continue to do that. But if you're one of those people that you're speaking of where you want to hurt people and you want to bully folks because they're different and you were hurt, that's bullshit. Don't, don't, why are you jumping into to this particular fight? You know, it's, it's really sad. It's sad for me, especially because I am a black trans woman. And I'm public about my shit. I could blend in and, and live a life, but I choose to be visible for that very reason. I mean, I have a friend who's a uh, police officer in San Diego who's transgender. I think she's the first one. Black, trans? No. She's trans. She, I think she's... Oh, uh, she's white. Last name's Hispanic. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I've gotten in conversation with her. She's an amazing person, by the way. So brave. So smart gorgeous and a badass a total badass for being a you know being a police officer and jumping in there and still wanting to help people but being ridiculed and verbally just bashed within your own situation and people talking to you crazy at the department and shit like that you know rising above it not stooping to anyone's level and proving that you can do the job that you say you can do is the most 
commendable and heroic thing you could possibly do in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, and I, you know, this particular cop that night was almost teasing the the transgendered uh, girl. Uh, she clearly was like attacked before, even before this guy, we stopped attacking her. And the, the cop was like teasing her, like kind of like he was doing some weird nerve thing, like trying to just get her to wake up. I'm like, dude, she's unconscious. Like, and then he, she had a huge knot on her head. Like, I think someone had socked her. And then he started to be a little more like empath, you know, pathetic yeah. or whatever the word is. About it. Uh, but, but I think he would have treated it a lot more uh, compassionate if it was Chandler you know, a white, blonde, you know, woman. So it was just What like, is that, dude? Is that racism? It's transgendered... It's transphobia? ...ism or, like... I uh, mean, even even black people get slack from cops like that. Was the cop a white guy? Uh, he was, no, he was just uh, Cuban or Hispanic. Uh, but he had a bad attitude from the start. Like, as soon as he got out, he just looked at us like, what? I'm like, well, I mean... What's acts... They have so. a pretty rough job, but dude, that's sad. I, and you know, I oh hope yeah, that woman is is okay. I mean, she's it's weird. Like West Hollywood, you have these neighborhood people. You almost feel like are your friends because you just. And I don't know if she's homeless or not. But she's very like, her body is amazing. Like, oh. like she's probably uh, five, you know five nine ish, not an ounce of fat on her. Double D tits, uh, like pretty feminine looking. I mean, she could be in a Victoria's Secret uh, catalog. Uh, well, I mean, the voice is a little deep, but not like, up to Victoria's Secret. But well, okay. I don't think this one has too many secrets. I mean, it's <laughs> it's out there, but you know, you know, Victoria's Secret doesn't. They don't hire trans women. Well, I thought there was uh, wasn't there a big thing like a, two weeks ago that they did. Did they? They. Uh, That's news to me. Well, they this get? is good. Where we're going to? Uh, this is actually a good part. See what I do is on Instagram Live. You know, I give him a tasty. We've been going about 40 minutes. Okay. But now we're going to get into whether Victoria's Secret hired a trans model, but you're going to have to listen to the rest on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. There you go. So, uh, Celine, where can... Uh, this is just for the Instagram freaks. Got it. Where can people find you online? I am on Instagram as uh, Comedian Pink Fox, two X's. And... Uh, Twitter, I don't really use Twitter, but Celine Comedy, and it's S-E-L-E-N-E. -E. And, uh, I mean, that's that's really it. That's really it. That's so but, Oh, wait. Uh, Please. Let me show, I, I do a show called Pink Fox Presents where I highlight uh, female comics, women comics. I don't really say female. Women comics. And uh, I, I the show's a floating show. So I, whatever, whatever I book, whatever venue I book. But uh, we have it in San Diego on September 26th. Uh, Pink Fox presents, uh, what is it, Palace in Wonderland. And I've got some of the funniest girls from from Los Angeles. I'm bringing them down to San Diego to have a good time. So tickets online uh, right now, Ticketfly and uh, ComedyPalace.com, TheComedyPalace.com, uh, main room. And once again, September 26th, I think the show starts at 8, doors at 7. So look that up. And we're going to talk for a lot longer. So you Instagram guys and girls and anything in between. Not binary. Uh, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, thank you for listening. Now, I thought that they had just hired a transgendered uh, I model. I it. 
Uh, well, I'm going to ask you a long-winded question, and then I'm going to Google it. I, you know, I'm a one-man operation here. Dude. I take the pictures. I Google stuff. I edit it. Well, actually, I don't edit it. Uh, I just let it ride. Um, so what's been the biggest struggle in L.A. comedy for you to get through once people find your trans? My pronouns, um, which, you know, I try not to freak out too much, but respect is a really big thing for me. And I don't know, dude, if you're trying to piss me off, like you're asking for problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a comedian, but I'm a person first. So, you know, if you're trying to shit on me, it's it's not a good move. Uh, number one, it's rude as fuck and unprofessional because this is a business. This is a lot of people's hobby, but I'm in it for the business aspect. And, you know, you're going to fuck yourself. Like, I've had people say shit to me that I've... I, I've had some people say some really subtle things to me, and then I I'm, I just don't associate with you after that. And um, that's that's been the biggest issue. It's like, you know, you say something cross. If you're not coming at me asking a question or trying to understand and you're just trying to be a dick, that's the issue. But I will say this. I'm glad you brought that up. If it wasn't for you and uh, fucking... Uh, Brian Moses. But Brian's the best. I would not had done the comedy store at that time. Like Brian Moses saw me at an open mic, told me to come by his room on a Tuesday. Roast battle. I had no fucking idea though. He he said it like it was just an open mic or something. And I didn't know who Brian Moses was. I saw it was this cool dude from from the, you know. So he tells me, I'm like, all right, cool. I said, uh, Where's the where's the room? You know, he said the comedy store. So I'm thinking it's a comedy store, Mike. I get there, it's roast battle, and it's the pre-show. Like he's got me on the pre, and it's a sold out. Like, oh, it's I, a hot room. It's fucking packed in the belly, right? So I walk. I, I text him because I'm over at the Sycamore Tavern. I'm watching my friend's show, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, come through. Fuck it." I ride over there. I go up. He's standing there with the clipboard or somebody had the clipboard. He's like, yeah, you're between this person and this person. I'm like, this is not a mic. He's like, no, it's roast battles. It's a show. So that was amazing because that was my debut at the comedy store. All because of Brian Moses. Wouldn't happen without him that way. And how did, uh, you know, the roast battle crowd can be uh, an interesting one. That's true. Uh, you know, well, I mean, back in the early years, it was really uh, completely insane. Uh, you know, we had one comic battling who had uh, HIV and like, you know, he signed up for it and every joke was, you know, you're dying and this, that, and the other. I mean, it was a wild crowd. It's now rough. it's a little more mainstream now, you know, ever since it got on Comedy Central. So even for the pre-show stand-up, it's a little more of a uh, comedy-friendly audience, but not quite as, uh, I don't know if they appreciate the wilder material. Yeah, it's not, well, it sounds like it's not as brutal. The roasts are still pretty brutal, though. Like, I, I try to go up there, and t- I'm not always roasting. I mean, I've roasted twice, I think. I've done the pre-show more times than I've roasted, but I try to go and support friends that roast, and it gets there, man. They they go there. It gets, you know, the harsh, the harsh, harsh shit doesn't really get a lot of laughs. You're right. Well, it's just a different... uh you know, the first two years of roast battle, uh, 
you know, I, I don't think any of us thought it would ever be on TV. So it was just like, fuck, this is just a wild, like almost a party versus a, a show. Tuesday night, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had, you know, I've told this a million times, but they had a rule if two white comics were battling, you could each say the N-word. And believe me, that rule was used frequently. Yikes. Uh, but it would just show the absurdity of the show. Like, it's 2013 or 14 at the time. Politically incorrect humor was pretty dead at that time. So I think Roast Battle really brought it back. Some people might say it's good or bad, but... I enjoy... Like, I have a weird, I have a weird thought about it. I love Jeff Ross. He's so amazing. The dude is really down to earth. When you meet him in person, he's the sweetest guy. And he is. the you know the people that were running Rose Battle, like Brian Moses, who who does the emceeing and and a lot of the work, and Jay Light, dope as fuck. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And now Sarah Keller. I love all these people. All these people are amazing. And when you have people like that facilitating things, I think you get a good show. You know what I'm saying? So. It's always a fun time. It's it, if it does get rough, you know. It's it's. I think that maybe it's evolved into friends. Only like a lot of friends battle each other. You know what I'm saying? Like it's rare I see two people that that don't know one another. Yeah, I mean, I. Uh, well, now it's like you're getting people who just want to get on the TV show because they think I'm going to be famous if I get on it, and you're really? not. Oh, I think so. I mean, yes, you have the friends who battle each other. Okay. Uh, but then you also have, I think, uh, I mean, roast battle, it, it helps you to a degree. Uh, it doesn't even give you 15 minutes of fame. It, it gives you a couple minutes uh, because it's... It's still fun for us, man. We're up and coming. Like, uh, Oh, yeah. What, what depends where you're at. I went to, fi I, I went to the filming of the, the last season. I was there in the building, and it... It was amazing. First of all, it's amazing to see all your friends in the audience right. and some of your friends on stage. And then it's amazing to see TV cameras and fucking like real production crew and all this shit. And it's open bar. Yeah. So fucking, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 an amazing night. It's so fun. Then the after party. Oh, yeah. The I after mean, party was the shit, dude. I, I mean, I had Comedy Central people walking up to me like, Fox. We got all this liquor and nobody to drink it. I was like, fuck, you can pass it to me. Like, it was great. Well, it's like at the Alec Baldwin roast, the after party was just like open bar and the food was amazing. You had every comic trying to get in the Soho house, trying to feed their pie holes. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Roast Battle sold more comics than uh, any show I've ever, uh, I mean, it's five years. It's still going strong last you, night. You gotta love it. You gotta respect it. Oh, I've benefited probably more than anyone, uh, you know, in terms of what happened. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the show's received now with the, the I think they're calling it the can, can, cancel culture. Cancel culture, yeah. I mean, if some of those uh, clips get released from the early days, Jeez. we're all getting fired. Jesus uh, Christ. I mean, you know, that show went so deep and aggressive. Uh, and it still does now, but uh, you know those first two years were like. Who knows, man? As long as you apologize, you should be okay. And the person that you crack the joke on, like uh, if they come out in support of you and say, "Hey, listen, it was a different time," I think you'll be fine. I don't feel like that would really fuck anybody too bad. But uh, 
I was I was giving credit to Brian, but also you, because I met you, and you were really nice to me. Why shouldn't I be? And, but I, I, you didn't know me from Adam, so I was talking to you, and I used to just make conversation with you at the store. Number one, because your voice is amazing, and everything you say is fucking hilarious. And, well, not and everything. Conversationally, you're fucking hilarious. Like I, I could piss myself off just some of our conversations, but. You're like, hey, you know, you should battle Robin Tran. And this is before I even met Robin. So I'm just like, who the fuck is that? You know? And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a tra- she's a transgender comic. And it just so happens I was booked in San Diego Pride Weekend. And so was she at, a, I think, Martini Above Fourth. I think that's what the place is called. And I had two shows. I did Balboa Park. And I did, a, oh, fuck, I forgot the name of the place. But I did an all-women show. And that was pretty packed. And also, that was my first paid gig that weekend. And I think I made two fifty. I did an hour, twenty minutes at Balboa. Hey, two fifty to do comedy in California is like winning the lottery. I was a brand new comic, and I made two fifty. I did fucking. I did an hour twenty. I went twenty minutes over time. And then at the uh, the other show that night, I think I did twenty five minutes. As a as a baby comic, twenty five minutes. That's a know? lot. How long have you been doing comedy total? Two and a half years. Yeah, I mean, so usually most comics, two and a half years in, are lucky if they have ten minutes of good material. Yeah, you could do twenty minutes, but like ten of it's going to be bad. I feel that. I feel that. Not you. I mean, just like no, no, anyone, me like, included, because fucking, I didn't have an hour yet. Oh, at two and a half years in, I'm. I was lucky if I had maybe five good minutes, like. I mean, like killer, yeah, like you slaughter know. material. Yeah, I mean, I could do forty, but I mean, thirty-five of it would be bad crowd work or just bad jokes. Oh, dude, your crowd work fucking kills me, dude. Well, the store is good training for that. Oh my like, god, your crowd work's hilarious. I I remember I was in the I came in the OR when you were going up one time, and uh, I think you did the the main room right before, and then you went up in the OR or something like possible. that. possible, and. Uh, Oh, my God. Like, you know how, first of all, how many comics is it a night in the OR? It's like 20 comics. I mean, it's like last night it was, uh, let me see. I've got my little picture here of the lineup last night. Let me just do a quick count of uh, comics here. Hold on. I mean, it's probably, I'm trying to think, uh, probably 12. Is it 12? Each doing 15 minutes. It was a fucking lot that night. And so you get people getting up to leave. You know, in between comics, as the later it gets into the night, it's fourteen comics on 14 a, comics. on a usual plus a pop in, so we'll say fifteen. Fifteen. So 15, each doing fifteen minutes. Each doing fifteen minutes. So you're sitting there, you're getting a hell of a show, and you know if you got a later slot, which I mean I, I I'm a learning comic. All of this shit for me is education. So as much comedy as I could watch, and ingest is. Uh, I feel like how much better I could get watching someone else handle a crowd. Uh, and then, you know, going and doing it yourself, of course. But I think, dude, like seven people got up just because it was late, not because it was you. And you were like, thanks for the free kick in the dick. I lost it. That's the funniest shit I've ever heard. Like, thanks for the free kick in the dick, you know. Uh, well, I mean, it's... Have fun at McDonald's. Like, it was just some, it was some yeah. funny shit like that. I'm just like, oh, my God. Well, it's got, yeah, you're right. It really does have nothing to do with you. Uh, it's, you know, like last night, it's a Tuesday night. Most people in the room probably have to get up to go to work. 
So they pick, they literally pick a predetermined comic. Okay, we'll stay till this guy Earl or Celine or you know uh, Ryan O'Neill. Like uh, it's got not, You could be killing. You could be bombing. They just they stand till you. They're like, all right, yeah, eleven thirty. Like, yeah, ten we're comics. We're out. Uh, so you you and at that point, you know, last night I went on at around midnight. The show's been going on two and a half hours. They've heard every Trump joke. They've heard every "Where are you from?" joke they've heard every uh you know uh comics probably talking about shane gillis and, and me too and this and that so you have to like you got to hit them with something different yeah for you sure. know uh and it's hard to do crowd work that late when they've already probably been asked where are you from oh you guys dating or can i say though like the the later comics are so fucking funny you have to be oh my god it's like i watch uh First of all, I love Punky Johnson is oh, my favorite comic at the store. Yeah, she's great. She's fucking hilarious. You're one of my favorites at the store. And uh, I love Joe Dosh. Oh, Joe's great. I love like, Joe. Joe's fucking hilarious. So, you know, I, I really try to catch people's sets and just pop in on the humble and watch the shit. And it's always so funny. And the later night goes. That's the thing I like about Chappelle, too, when Chappelle pops in. It's always at some obscure hour of a random night. Like, it's on a Tuesday, like, one yeah. forty-five, some weird shit. Well, I think he's at, like, Soho House, and and he just tells his driver, Tony, who's, like, the greatest guy on earth. Oh, I mean, yeah. the fires that this guy has to put out, you know, because as soon as you pull up, you know, you got 50 comics all trying to kiss Chappelle's ass. You've got, <laughs> you know, rightfully so. I mean, he can, the guy can make right. your career if you open for him or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, he wants to go on stage. He doesn't want to help some unknown comic. Right. He doesn't give a fuck. And, you know, you've got the horse trying to fuck him. Uh, so Tony has to, like, sit there and shield him. Uh, You're talking about the big white guy, right? Yeah. He's very like cool. He's like a fucking guy. tank. He's he in looks a suit. like a, he's a big dude. Yeah. And he's very uh, on the DL. Like, he probably knows like eight forms of karate, but like. He looks like it. His shoulders are built, dude. I mean, like. For an older guy, he's probably, I'll guess he's mid 50s. Or, uh, he looks I wouldn't like want to fight him. No, fuck no. Because Dave no. used to come with this gigantic black dude whose sole job was to. Uh, just stand in the corner and see if anyone's taking pictures well that's what tony does but tony's a little more discreet like this big black dude would literally just like welcome to you take your shit yeah he's like turn it off now let me delete the picture or whatever recording or whatever right tony's a little more hey you gotta like you know he's yeah. very nice about it he is very nice about uh it. but i think that you know late night comics are some of the funnier people on the lineup because you have to be oh like, wait don barris i have oh, to say don king. barris don barris is hilarious and i i mean when i first got to la i didn't have a car or anything dude i was taking the bus and i would stay until the store closed like and we'd stand out there for 30 minutes oh, yeah. after the store closes and just talk shop on the streets you know and well, don's, watching, watching he's don literally the only comic who could even last night, he probably did 40, 50 minutes after everyone's on TV type of lineup, uh, and he killed. And yeah, like, yeah, he's uh, so funny. And I always tell younger comics, not even an age, but just experience of, okay, you want to get past at the store? Well, you know, you're going to be going on at 1 in the morning, so you better be fucking funny and, you know, because you're going to be going on after 12 comics who are all on TV. That's true. So. You know, if it's if it's your dream to be 
I don't know if like it sounds hokey as fuck, but if it's your dream to be a stand up comedian, right? Or you fall into it or whatever and you want to do it professionally, being out at those hours are necessary. Like oh, yeah. you have to be ready to stay up until three AM, four AM. You can't be one of those people with a curfew trying to be a stand up comic. Oh no. Like, it's fucking really hard, you know? So And you go there late night, I go there still. I'm almost 20 years in. I go to watch Brian Holtzman or Don. Brian Holtzman, yeah. Uh, but especially Holtzman from the standpoint of he is a very edgy comic. Mm-hmm. And he sometimes will lose a crowd. And I go to see, okay, how does he get them back? Not that I want to copy what he's doing. But, right. like, you know, so I do some wacky jokes here and there. Uh, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, they don't go over. And, and like, how do I get them back? Because a late-night crowd you don't have very much wiggle room in terms of getting them back. Uh, You're talking to somebody right now that studies your comedy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, like... I study you, dude. You, you, the way that... I'm not sucking dick over no, here, I, I mean, promise. Well, you could, no, I'm it, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I will, After the podcast. Chandler's coming downstairs right now. You fucking it, son of a bitch. There's the freeway. Uh, so, but no, but the thing is, I, I, I literally, I watch, not your, I watch your written shit, but I watch when people throw you zingers. I mean, you really handle that shit like a champion. Well, that's because your crowd it, works fucking amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, I I had a lot of training in shitty bar shows and uh, you know just biker bars and uh, where you uh, you know I used to do a room in Burbank called uh, Ireland's Thirty Two for like five years on a Monday, and uh, you know no one was there for the comedy. They, there was a dart league. And they, you know, if you know, if you've ever seen a dart league, it's like they drink and they're, you know, very loud. And, yeah. And so you had literally 30 seconds to grab them. And then if you were funny, they would stop and listen. Yeah. Uh, and they also had the, like football games on. And My dad's one of those guys. So I know exactly what you're talking about. My dad's like, my dad was in a bowling league. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically. Cards. My dad's a biker, all this shit. So it's like, yeah, if they, they don't have time. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's well, how, you that's don't how have time. Me. Like, they've got all the time in the world. <laughs> uh, but, like, they're not there for the stand-up. So yeah. they don't care. Uh, sure. But they will turn around. Okay, this guy or girl just said a funny joke. I'll give him another minute. Uh, you ever had a dart thrown at you? Um, no, I've like seen a, bad one? a dart. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw a comic. He was bombing on stage. And uh, <laughs> he's like, well, I guess it's time for the n-word jokes but he said the n-word and i get what he was trying to do he was just trying to just drop such a bomb on the room where everyone would be quiet unfortunately for him there was an african-american dart player in the room and he turned around and winged a dart at him like, like stuck to the back wall like it didn't hit the comic but holy shit uh, that's a movie know. shit i mean i've seen that happen before uh like you know Time for uh, the nigger joke yeah he said or uh, not <laughs> Well, I mean, and he this guy was as white as you can get. He looked like Mr. Clean. He was just like this big, bald, white guy. And uh, People really try to push the envelope with their lives. Well, I, I would never say that word on stage, although I, 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 I've said it once on stage at the store, of course, uh, because it's just the, I have the funniest story about the first time I heard the N-word, because uh, this is at my, uh, this, my dad's country. It's not my dad's country club, but the country club he was a member at right. and uh and i i was telling this story one night and i was like well i can't say the word i heard and there's this huge black guy in the front he's like you can say it 
Like, no, you don't understand the word I have to say. It's like something that you're not going to like. Uh, so you got permission from a guy. From a huge black guy. When I say huge, I mean, it was like a Chappelle bodyguard type of, he was with a date. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't really want to say the need, word. All you need is a pass. It's not a day pass. It's just a quick one. But I mean, oh yeah, it's not like, okay, now you can say it forever. Yeah. Uh, because I was raised. You like, got to renew that shit every time. Well, I, it's just such an awful word, but it, the story is so fucking funny. Um, Tell the story. What's well, the story? I, I well, Do long story short, I uh, grew up playing golf. Okay. And uh, the uh, Bel Air Country Club is a very, um, it's a tough golf course. Not for like Tiger Woods. He'd probably like this. Which is true. Uh, I, well, I, at one point I was so good, I was like a 10 handicap, oh. which is basically... Uh, you know, you shoot about an 80 yeah, yeah, yeah. from the men's tees. So the first time uh, I shot bogey golf, which is essentially one over par for every hole. Okay. So on, on nine holes, you shoot like a 45. Okay. A pro shoots a 36. So you're like, you're not a pro, but you're like pretty good. Okay. So I ran home and I told uh, my uncle, Hey man, I just shot bogey golf at Bel Air from the men's tees. And he just looks at me and goes, Earl, that's golf. Oh, it's nigger golf. Right. Wow. I had I'd never heard the word before. I had no idea what that word meant. What uh, does that even mean? Well, I, so the next day What does it mean? It's lazy golf? I mean, I I, I still to, to this day don't know what that I think he meant uh that's not golf you should brag about. Oh, that's because he was like a good golfer. He was like yeah. a, a scratch golfer, which is basically what a pro golfer is. Right. Uh, so the next day, not knowing what that word meant, I go down to the caddy yard at Bel Air, which is of course ninety percent black, and uh, I'm like, guys, guys, uh, my uncle said I shot N word golf, nigga golf. Yeah, and the biggest blackest caddy, his name was Ray Hood. I'll never forget I, the things I remember. Uh, he he's like you in the forehead. Six six, probably four hundred pounds, just right out of Caddyshack Central Casting, just <laughs> comes up to me, and I'm like a little kid, and he's just giant, almost like a pro wrestler body. Goes, Earl, we love your uncle, but don't ever say that word again. I'm like, why not? Like, like I was so naive as to what it meant, and then. I think someone clued me in on what that word meant. Jesus, man. But I could never say that word on stage. Yeah, you avoided an ass whooping for sure. But this black guy, and the black guy, of course, laughed harder than any joke I probably ever told. Jesus Christ. Uh, so, uh, you know. I try it, to think the first time I heard the N-word. Birth. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> we gave birth to it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we got to be careful what you say on podcasts. That's true. No, I'm just kidding. I am black. And if you can't, if you didn't tune into the Instagram. But you're light skinned. I am light skinned. Well, then here's the thing. I'm uh, I'm Puerto Rican, Italian, black, Native American, and Irish. So I'm, I'm a mutt, for real. And I'm fair skinned, and I have hazel eyes, close to green eyes. So if you don't know me, either I look Puerto Rican, or you can tell I'm just a mixed girl i mean know? well your eyes are so uh i don't know striking or stunning like you don't have uh the eyes color what what is your eye color hazel but i don't see a lot of african-americans with hazel eyes like it's very distinct to me anyway yeah well it's so when i was born my eyes were uh like ocean blue right and then they went to gray and then they went to green 
and then they settled on hazel. And, uh, you know, as the seasons change, they either get darker or lighter. And then I've heard when I'm angry, they turn like a, a yellow, like a, a really light brown, almost yellow. So that's weird. But yeah, it's, it's they change colors. Well, I mean. I'm a fucking reptile. I love it though, but what's next for you? Like, what what's going on in the, uh, you know, in your comedy life? I mean, you've, you've uh, got some things going on we can't talk about, but have, good things. I have some stuff cooking. Uh, but I mean, everyone says that, but I know you actually have it. <laughs> I would. I don't. Yeah, I'm not a bragger. I, I get into conversations with people at the store all the time. Like, hey, how you doing? Well, I just did a no. How are you doing? Like, okay. stop fucking dropping resume shit on me. God People damn. don't care about how you're actually doing. They yeah. want to know what you're doing so you can help them. Yeah, fuck that, man. And see, I'm the only person. I had a comic say to me, and then I'll tell you what you asked me. But I had a comic, an older comic, say to me, um, everybody moves to Hollywood to get famous. And all I kept thinking was, I moved to Hollywood to transition. I didn't move to Hollywood to fucking get famous. I moved to Hollywood to create my life in the way that I wanted to create my life. And it just so happens I do comedy. Like, it, it, it happened upon me. I'd done a little bit of comedy before I moved. I got comfortable with it. And I got to L.A. and I took it seriously. And good things happened. But I didn't, you know, I wasn't like a parasite at every opportunity. You know what I'm saying? I just, I really listen to people and I try to make friends. And if you're really going to pursue something like comedy, this is not the short game. You're going to know these people for 20 years. Well, it's uh, but some people get, make it a little quicker than others, and some people don't. Uh, I mean, it's a mer- It's definitely a, uh, not a sprint, but for some people, it is a sprint. But you still know the same people. Like this is, I think, the fun part about doing this and, and affiliating yourself with people is the fact that you meet a bunch of people that you're friends with for years. Oh yeah, I mean, I've although it's weird, like. I would say 85% of the people I started with quit. Uh, and that's not a slam on them. You know, comedy ain't for it. everyone. I get it. Uh, you know, I was Did they one... go into other parts of entertainment? No. But just, you know, regular jobs, kids, family. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a tough lifestyle. Yikes. No matter what you are, straight, gay, transgender, we all go, no matter what you are, you still experience the, like you said, staying out till three or four in the morning, uh, and shit's hard to do with a family. You know, bombing, bombing sucks whether you have a dick, a pussy, or both. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it's you know, I yeah, mean, it's really hard. I, I mean, mean yeah, no pun intended. No, I mean, but it's, look at all the comics who, you know, uh, you know, Brody. You know, oh, that's uh, sad, man. But I mean, I mentioned Brody so much because, uh, you know, you guys were friends, right? Yeah, we were friends. Uh, I mean, on paper, he was successful on every level of this business that we measure success by, you know, he was uh, friends with A-list comics. He was in movies. He, he, one of the few people in LA that could play any room and do well at, you know, like I do well the most at the comedy store. I do okay at the improv and, you know, I don't play the factory much, but Brody could go into any room. He could go into UCB and do stand up to the improv groups and he would kill. Wow. He was uh, such a sweet guy, man. I only knew him for a little bit, and I've seen him. I've seen him work a bunch of times. Oh, he was amazing. Uh, stand late at the store, and uh, you go to talk to him. He'll talk to you. Oh yeah. He's not one of those guys that'll 
turn his nose up at you or, you know, why are you talking to me, you comedy peasant? Like, he was actually a person. Yeah, I mean, it just... It was, uh, it was, it was it's heartbreaking that he passed. But, but, but you would think, though, that why would he want to commit suicide? Like, everyone loved him. Well, there's no reason, man. Depression is not a pick-and-choose thing, you know? A lot no. of comics suffer from depression and anxiety. I think everyone does. Everybody, I suffer yeah. from it. Yeah, me too. I have depression. I get down on myself. Oh, you if you don't get down in this business... Uh, you're not fucking human. That's true. Like it's hard to keep your self confidence with some of the things that happen, and then you know most of us are fucking scarred. <laughs> you oh know yeah. What I'm like most comics, the, the comedy is coming from a dark place. Oh yeah. Even so, like if you even in no matter what your background is, if you're like I mean I come from a like a, a, a an upper middle class background, but you know uh, you still got your own torments yeah oh my i mean my mom was like uh you know possibly molested uh you know she never really talked about it and i certainly never asked but like you could tell that she was affected by someone in her past my dad was a hardcore alcoholic for a large portion of his life and oh same does, yeah i mean does that so have anything to do with i grew up in bel air you grew up in south philly and, and other areas but like yeah. just like you think well the bel air person it's going to have it a lot easier. Not really. I mean, you know, a lot of people think like that, but like me, I lived in, like I said, born in Camden, raised in Turnersville and uh, different nice parts of New Jersey, like um, uh, Willingboro. And then I moved and I lived in San Jose. I lived in the Bay and I lived in Sacramento. And I went to acting school in San Francisco at nine. I was homeschooled. I took HTML and, and Chinese and fencing i know how to fence with a saber and shit like i i've i've gone through a lot of different cultural experiences and seeing both i have very rich friends i have very you know not poor but poor friends yeah, so most comics are poor you know yeah that well, we know yeah that's true uh that which is why they think i'm rich because i can go to norms and pay for a burger uh that's but. really funny <laughs> But it's true. It's though. true. Like, you know, it's true. Uh, People, I've, I've, yeah, I've is, definitely caught some, some looks with uh, the way I pull up sometimes. And oh, I'm I not, mean, I'm by a long shot, I'm not rich at all. I'm not even well off. I'm not even doing okay. But yeah, I mean, I'm what's just, rich? Though, <laughs> what like, the fuck is rich? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's to me, it's Russell Peters. It's or, Russell Peters, like, bomb. Oh my God. He made like 20, literally legit 20, 21 million dollars last year doing comedy. He plays theaters. He goes, stadiums. he goes overseas and shit though right yeah i mean uh he doesn't it's an insult he would never say this because he's so nice but it's probably an insult to him to go hey do you want to headline the improv this weekend like for you and me it'd be like yeah fuck yeah uh or rogan like you know i mean in rogan's like uh he he's the epitome of a comics comic like he just works hard he speaks his mind he, he helps his friends even some of the people who aren't his friends, like he'll take out a young open, not open micer, but young comic. Yeah, on he's the taking road. out some. He's taking. He's he rides with some comedy store people, like some. Yeah, he takes like Ali McCoskey yeah. on the road. Is a very funny. I think she's twenty two. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have to do that. I mean, uh, dude, it, you get some of the nicest people that a lot of people see podcasts and they don't know these people. But when you work in these areas, you get to meet these people at least fucking once, and you have a conversation, or you see them all the time. I see Joey Diaz all the time. Oh, Joey, so he had me I on I love his. Joey. He keeps it real. But that's another one who, like, Joe made, I wouldn't say made his career, but Joe definitely helped it. And so now Joey has on someone like 
me like not to be I saw I watched that that was a good episode I mean you know it's not or beyond it but like it, I, I didn't mean to make it about me but like Joey's like okay Earl kind of needs a break you know I, I mean or whatever he thought I'll have my mind because yeah. he's like well Joe had me on his right and then you know I obviously my podcast isn't anywhere near Joey or Joe's but like that's why I love having people like you on and oh, and uh, and I appreciate this I mean you know even the invitation well, it's a you. You're a great person, and and you know your oh, your story is like, you know, like when I had Robin Tran on, I was fascinated by it. Like, uh, just like the struggles that you know she was going through, and you know, especially like she was very uh, popular in the roast battle world. And I thought, well, she's got a lot of balls to like put herself out there on that show. Knowing yeah. that what the jokes are going to be, oh, you don't, you know. I have a lot of respect for Robin, and uh, from the time I saw her do her stand up to the time we battled, you know, it was like, oh man. And then the weirdest shit happens, man. You like you run in, in certain circles, and people end up doing shows together. She had never seen me do stand up before right. we battled, but then she headlined down in San Diego at the Comedy Palace, the same place that I hold my show, but we were in the Gold Room. And I've I've headlined the Gold Room too, uh, but. I went down on a night when she had the show and I have a bit of a, I got people in San Diego that, that follow me a little bit. So I packed the gold room out. And at one point she stopped the show and she said, how many of you are here with Celine? And everybody like starts fucking cheering. It was hilarious. But you could tell it was a nightmare because she's just like, what the fuck? Oh, it's hard. You know, when you know, like the whole room's there for someone else, it's like, you know, it's like, but it was, it's still, she still did a great job. Oh, she's, she's a great really comic. Funny. Yeah, man. Like, it didn't even matter. And, and a great like, roast battler. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. She beat me at Clusterfest. <laughs> you told me. You know, fucking bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love her. And and Kate, too. Kate's awesome. Okay, yeah. They're like, they're awesome. I and... want Kate to do one of my shows. I already asked her. She said, yeah, but I don't have a date yet for it. I want to do one in L.A. where I really just feature my favorite 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 comics so a lot of my girls come down to san diego though like uh i don't know if you've heard of who i'm about their name but audrey stewart gabby lamb i had punky johnson headline my well, last Punky's one the queen she's the queen i had stephanie wayne who's a good friend of mine she's a brilliant comic and writer um who else i had uh, mina quarterman and jasmine carter i mean all of all of the people that i see moving and shaking in our circle that's really getting work done, dude. And then I had a, a lovely comic that I didn't even expect. She was coming down from the Bay Area to do some other stuff in San Diego. She reached out um, and got in contact with me through some other people because she was going to be in San Diego. She wanted to know if she could do any shows. I let her open the show. She fucking slaughtered. Like, uh, Alexandria Love. She slaughtered. Okay. And it was it was really dope that, number one, I I, I saw a clip on YouTube Cause you know, I want to see what you do first. This is a real paid show. Like right. I pay all my comics to come down there and I'm not, it's not a little bit of money. Like I'm, I'm trying to at least make sure I cover your fucking gas and a meal. Right. Right. San Diego's two hours away, but oh yeah, you know, she came and, and then I paid her and she was like, what is this? I was like, well, you just, you did 10 minutes as this is the least I could do. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't even, mm. you just want to be able to do for people, man. And I, I, I really want to be able to, I feel like I take up space in the female community and the female comic community. And I I appreciate all the love and respect and inclusion that I get. And I just want to create another avenue for my sisters to shine in comedy. Cause I, you know, my show 
is an all women show. I don't book men. See, I don't like those. I'm sorry. No, no, no. They're hilarious though. Oh yeah, it's got that. I just, uh, I just think I don't care who's on a lineup. I mean, if it's all dudes, all girls, if it's all trans show, I feel that. I I just want the funniest people. Like if I booked a show, I would have I'd have you on it. I'd have Chandler on it. I would have the most macho got Josh Wolf on it. Uh, but I'm not, you know. It's like, you know what's funny? Um, a lot of my male comic friends are like, first of all, they love the jacket because I get jackets made for my headliners. Right. And the, the, this is the jacket, the Pink Fox Presents with the leather sleeves. Oh shit! I'd be I'd be down for that. Exactly. I'd so, pay extra if you made it from John Barbados. Oh shit! Yeah, let me make a phone call real quick. But that's, that's my homie. <laughs> Dude, I go through fucking Amazon. <laughs> I go through Amazon and my embroidery guy. Not when I headline. It's Barbados. Is it? I'm I'm, I'll make sure. I'll call Kanye and we'll get uh-huh. you a Yeezy jacket. I don't want I don't I don't support his brand. Oh, you don't fuck with it? Okay. Uh but no, but I mean I, I'm not against all female shows. I'm against all any like uh all anything shows? Well just like what about the LGBT shows? Like all the gay shows? I have gay comics on straight shows. Well, yeah, I mean, me, but... <laughs> I, but I mean, like, have yeah. Joe... I, I've been on shows with Joe Dosh and uh, Guy Branham and, like... And then, then Sertiano was on it, too. Like, I just want the funniest 10 people. Like, uh, you know, someone asked me uh, if I was ever the talent coordinator at the comedy store. It was like a game. Name the first five people you pass. And I named five white dudes, not because I wanted five white. It's just those are the funniest five people I know. Right. I was like Ryan Stout, uh, Eddie If, Ian Bag, Matt Broussard, and I forget the last. Uh, I forget who it was, but it was someone of that stature. And they're like, "Well, that's just five white guys." Like you name me five girls, and I'm and, and I'm sure there are girls funnier than them, but like that I know and I'll pass those five girls. Like, I don't care. Like, uh, so, you know, I mean, comedy's subjective though. Someone might, I'm sure people think I'm not funny. Well, what's her, cause I know when I, mean, I got, must be dead. But when I got passed, I know, uh, cause me and Candace Thompson <laughs> were the first two. Oh, that, I love Candace. Oh, Candace is amazing. And, but we were the first two that got passed. I'm sure it was like, well, why'd you pass Earl? Like, he's not on TV at the time. I wasn't. Or Candace. I don't think she was on TV at the time. I was like, well, to Adam, and I can't speak for Adam, but like, you know, in his mind, we were the two funniest options at that time. Right. Uh, so, you know. Uh, I, I like that. I like shows that include everybody, too. It's just, like I said, I felt honestly guilty for the fact that, you know, hey, we're having a all women's comedy show at the thing or whatever. Hey, uh, Pink, would you like to perform? Yeah, I'd love to. And a lot of the shows that I do are paid shows. Right. I haven't done a free show in a minute, dude. Like, unless I pop in or something. You know what I'm saying? But, I, and, and by the way, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm but down. you should brag. No, 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 fuck that. I'm down for whatever. If you book me and you can't afford to do anything, that's fucking fine. I'm, I will come because I love you. If I tell you I'll be there, I'll be there. And I'll support it. At the same time, gas costs money. And so does food and everything oh, yeah. else. So, like, if you can fucking, you know, if you're charging at the door, don't not pay me. That's Just respect. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not the, ha- like, if you're not the comedy store or the fucking improv. And even when I did, I did D-Ray Davis's show, dude. I did the improv. The, my first time, three weeks ago, I did the improv main stage for the first time. 
And literally a week before that, I had done a show for my friend um, Liam, and he had Eddie Pepitone and the Sklar Brothers on in the lab. I did that show. I was booked for that show. Literally a week and a half later, I was on the main stage, and the booker asked for my information like two days ago. She's like, Pink, I always love to see you. What's your phone number and email address? I don't know what the fuck will come from that, but even the fact that this person sees everybody, the fact that they want my information means a lot to me. Oh, Rita and Paige at this improv are awesome. Oh, uh, my God. Amazing, amazing people. I've got great energy. Dude, it's a sold-out show, and that was my first black room. That was my first time doing comedy for the majority of black people. And I'm telling you, it wasn't easy. It was not easy because, first of all, they're just getting used to gay. Transgender is still not popular in black culture. And, I mean, black trans women are dying at an alarming rate. We're getting murdered like nobody's business, dude. It's like almost targeted. It's fucking scary. And uh, I had had a comedian mention me on a podcast like a week before that. And it was it was a lot. I, I don't know whether to call it homophobic or transphobic or old school or whatever. But it was just a lot to take in, especially as a baby comic coming from somebody that's established and the shit got 200,000 views. And it was like, it hurt a little bit. And I told him, I was like, yo, listen, man, I'm all down for people having opinions, but you ought to know my safety's in, in, in danger when you spew whatever it is you're spewing. And then to the, the, the worst part about it was he said all he had to say, they slaughtered me for 30 minutes just because of me being trans, not even my comedy, not even me being not funny. They'd never seen me. Oh, by the way, this nigga's going to be at the improv Monday night on D-Ray show. So now you had your whole fan base riding in the car with you, bashing me for 30 minutes. And then you told him where I'm going to be on Monday. Dude, I could get shot. Like, that's not good. That's what, no joke. What are you doing? Like, and he was like, oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, I do have to think about that. So, you know, I when I went to the show, I had 20 people with me. Because right. I was like, fuck all that. I, told, I think you asked me to go. I'm yeah, like, fuck that. Yeah, I, I tried to get as many people as I'm not as showing up to that show. I wasn't bullshitting, dude. I took a lot of people with me and, you know. I, I was happy to have that support. And uh, most of them, I mean, they, they didn't get to, like half my people got tickets and did it the right way, but I bought the majority of them were comedians, male comedians, black men, and big dudes that support me and love me and treat me like a sister. So it was dope to see them come out and support me. And then D-Ray was so nice and welcoming and the way that he bought me on stage and then when I got off stage, the way that he handled that, it was professional as a motherfucker. And I, I can never thank him enough for having me on, number one, and handling the situation like that. Because the my first words, I'm transgender. The whole, it was a gasp over the, like, dude, I've never seen anything like this with anybody saying anything. I said, I'm transgender. All I heard was, <gasps> that was the first, you know what I'm saying? And I got on a mini skirt. Like, I'm, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to battle it out. Like, I'm going to have to fight when I get out of here. Somebody's going to try to beat my ass or shoot me. I mean... Luckily, I I did my thing. I did my... I stamped it, and I, I showed up and proved myself, I felt like, from being called out the week before. And I did the best show that I could do. It was a great fucking time. I mean, you just got... You know, online now, there's some freaks out there, like... 
you know. Dudes will track you the fuck down. Man. Oh, yeah. Careful, man. I got death threats uh, on Reddit from Jimmy Carr fans in the UK. Like, really? you, you don't know if they're kidding or not. I, I They probably were. But, uh, you know, Jimmy's obviously he's like the, the white Russell Peters. Like, yeah. he's very, very popular and he's a great guy. But, uh, someone i didn't really know what reddit was so some say hey, they're talking about you and jimmy on reddit i'm like oh let me look and you know one guy's like i'll put a bullet in your head if you ever come to the uk and like what the fuck they like, did it's just you know because it was a controversial roast battle not to talk about roast battle but like right. uh you know some people don't think i won it's like well dude i have no control over the judging like you know and, and but you know online it's like they get going, and I'm sure in your case, it's in that podcast. Fuck this transgendered bitch! You know, I'm gonna oh, yeah, take her out. Will, the comments will be crazy. You know what's crazy? I I watched that. I went in the comments of the YouTube where the dude bat what I felt like was a bashing, and uh, nobody really shit on me. And you know, I don't know what'll happen on this one. I'll I'll. I mean, I don't. I mean, I Robin got good feedback from doing this, and I've had gay, uh, you know, guys been on this podcast, and Joe Dosh, and. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think I've had some bisexual comics on. Uh, That's always dope. I mean, my fan base is pretty. Uh, pretty out there. I don't want to say tolerant because that means like they're pretty open. Open I about. Get that. Uh, but you know, I'm open. Like, you know, my mom didn't leave the house a lot, so like her hair stylist was gay. He so I've been yeah, raised around. Yeah. Uh, the nail lady was a lesbian. Uh, the uh, her. Shut stylist or whatever because she's a very fashionable woman was a big bull dyke like so and the guy who raised me when my dad was away on business a lot because he had to travel all over the world was a black dude yeah like and i mean a black dude uh so i mean he was so black that when he would take me to school in his green dodge charger i we probably got pulled over 20 times See, that's why I, you know, the thing that a lot of, when you ask like, uh, oh, you only do the women's shows. Dude, I, I create a safe environment. Most oh, yeah. of my, when I do those women's shows, the Comedy Palace has 150 person capacity in their main room. I put 100 people, mostly women, in that room. And these are white women. They're lesbians between the ages of like 30 to 52. This is my demographic in San Diego, by the way. Right. And it's a good fucking show it's hilarious and i'm safe i'm not gonna get fucking robbed or somebody's not gonna be like fuck you you tranny bitch like it's not happening when i do the improv i feel the same way except for you know that one night now i feel like welcomed and even when the black comics see me they're like yo what's up right. fox like they give me love and uh even when i go to like the comedy union have you been to the comedy union i did it once just to say i want to play a black room and like see how i do and uh they were dead silent for me oh and shit i thought i bombed and the host i forget his name but he's like a legendary host there uh he's like dude they loved you i'm like what are you talking about they didn't make a fucking sound right and they're like no no like for white comics that's a sign of love i'm like all right well oh, fuck. i can scratch that off my bucket list yeah i'm supposed to uh i talked to the booker for the i think they do like a wednesday and it was, it's a very funny Wednesday show. I talked to the booker, uh, I think, like last week. And she's like, oh, we're going to put you on. So we'll see. I can't wait to do that room because I went up when fucking Flame was there. Flame Monroe from the Tiffany Haddish special. And I first of all, I didn't know she was going to be there. I was going literally just randomly on a Wednesday. I said, I want to go to the show. And uh, 
And she walked in. And when I say I'm trans, that's the first person people mention. And we have such a different experience, but right. I still give them respect. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they don't subscribe to a lot of my views. They don't subscribe to a lot of views of the LGBTQ. But they're still visible. And they're still out there and they're still being different. And they've been doing this for years. So you, you give people their just due. And we had like an hour long conversation that night. But the comedy union is a welcoming place. I can't wait to do that fucking show. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I'm at the point uh, of my comedy. Like, I don't want to battle crowds. I don't want to go into a. Oh, I feel that. Uh, I don't want to go into an all black room just hoping to survive. Right. Or, or an all anything room. Like, I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to get pigeonholed anywhere. And not to say that I want to go to the ice house, which is a very easy room and kill. I mean, I do, but like, uh, you know, like I used to do a black room uh, in Montebello. Uh, and it was the same thing. They were quiet for me. And, and the guy's like, you killed. And like, You're like if that's, that's, not killing, killing, that's like not killing, like just not getting booed off stage, if that's like what you're hoping for going into the show. Hanging on by a wing and a prayer. Yeah. And I've done gay, uh, you know, there used to be a lot of gay comedy nights around here. Uh, one at the end of the street at Trunks. Uh, and it was the same thing. They're like, well, straight comics struggle in these rooms. And I'm like, well, I want to do them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You want to do the tough shit, you know? It's the same vibe, like, oh, they liked you. And I'm like, they gave me golf claps the whole time. Like, well, you know, <laughs> straight people aren't really like. Uh, oh, that's a th that's that's true, though. But it's not like they're looked down upon, but it's like, you know, there's not a lot of gay businesses in L.A. So, you know, West Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, it's. um They don't like uh, straights uh, infringing on their territory which i get uh you know there's a bar uh, down the street called the abbey that used to be probably 95 percent gay and now i would say it's probably 60 40 gay and, and a lot of gay people don't um enjoy the breeders as we are called taking over they're more or less like well you have the bars on sunset to play in this is our bar but it's like kind of how I feel with all female shows or all male shows or all gay shows or all black shows. It's just like, let's have the best people on a show. And just like, who cares if a bar is gay or straight? Like there's a gay bar down the street that's a sports bar. I go there to watch the hockey games sometimes. And, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm about as straight of a person as you can get. And, uh, you know, I could tell some people are not happy with my presence at a gay sports bar. I'm just like, come on, we're all sports fans. Like, the weirdest thing is that, that, you know, my mom, I was telling my mom something about, um, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. What did I say? I think it was like an all, all LGBT show or whatever. And my mom goes, well, there aren't any... Uh, there are, there aren't any straight people at the show. I'm like, well, it's mostly LGBT comedians, you know, and and an audience. And she's like, well, for people that want tolerance, they aren't really tolerant of anybody. I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's just that people want a safe space to be themselves. That's really what I find. And you know, you're a bit more laxed around your people. You know, if you don't know how people are going to take you when you leave that that area where i'm going to i'm going to tell a joke about being on hormones the audience is going to understand what i'm saying 
opposed to I'm going to tell a joke about being on hormones. I'm going to have to explain everything. And everybody's going to look at me with a blank stare. You just want people to understand the context of your humor sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's that's kind of like what I fall into with different LGBT shows. I didn't when I started comedy very long, two and a half years ago. I'm just kidding. I didn't say to myself, all right, let's start off at the drag clubs. Let's do all the gay rooms. And like, no, I just was like, all right, I'm going to go to Madhouse on a fucking open mic night. I'm going to go to Cat's Cafe in Atlanta on a, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the rooms that are open to me. Comedy. What is it? The, the, what's the theater in Atlanta? Uh, Comedy theater. I can't remember. The name uh, that's that's Skull and Bones. Laughing Skull. No, 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 not Laughing Skull. It's uh it's, Punchline. No, it's 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 like a something comedy theater in Atlanta. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with the Atlanta comedy vibe. That's where I started, by the way. I started comedy in Atlanta, but doing those rooms, that's what opened me up to to honing my craft in a place like the store and being able to do other shows and doing the variety shows. I'm. I can't wait until the day I'm passed at the store. Oh, it's it's a be, it's like I'm going to dance in the streets. Oh, I cried when I. You? Oh yeah, I was, I was. I'll never forget. It was like a Friday morning. Moses called me up. Uh, uh, it's funny. Moses is so uh, integrated into my career just because he he had me on as a sidekick at roast battle, and that helped. And uh, he's like, "Dude, you can call in for spots now." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like I was, I, I'm not good in the morning. It's like your past, like, and then I just started running around the apartment, you know, fist pumping myself and crying. Not like bawling, but I was like no, crying. Yeah, it's it's uh, for people like us to make to get your name on the wall. Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's Dude, like it's like getting your name. That's forever. Uh, on the Stanley Cup, which yeah. is like really the only sport where that happens on on the trophy. Like your name, if you win the Stanley Cup this year, your name's on that cup for the next four hundred years. Yeah. And same with the story. Your name can never be taken off that wall. I mean, I think in what I, th I forget the comic, but there was one comic's name. I think it was name was eliminated from the wall for. I think they did something they shouldn't have done, and uh, but virtually, it's on there forever. Yeah, and it's the number one club in the country by far. Uh, I know the cellar in New York is like the. You know, it's like the sister club kind sure. of. Uh, you ever want to own a club? Uh, I mean, I love doing comedy too much to uh, to want to. Because I think once you own a club or you're a booker, uh, people don't think you're a comic anymore. Hmm. Which is why next week's guest, not to like plug next week's episode, but uh, is the Laugh Factory's booker, Jay Davis. Oh, word. Who is in that exact you know uh jay's been a comic you know i think probably as long as i've been one but now he's the booker uh at the laugh factory uh so he gets a lot of uh shit for oh you put yourself on your own shows and you, you know you put yourself on lineups with like all these big comics like you can't really do that it's like well why not he's always been a comic right uh i so, mean if you're funny right yeah fine i mean but i don't know i think if you own the club and like uh, I think about Red Fox because that's where I get my name from. I'm Pink Fox, like Red Fox. Right, right. That's my favorite comic. Well, I love Red Fox all time. Like... Yeah, and everything Fox has done. Like I started Pink Fox Presents, had no idea that Red Fox Presents was even a thing. Right. Like I just found that on YouTube last week, 
And I was like, holy shit. But his club was was shut down uh, years ago. And now it's a fucking mattress store or some shit like that. I don't know. But um, all I want to do is buy the club back and revert it to what it was when he was alive. That's like my goal. And I don't want to be fucking doing comedy every night at my own club. I want to be able to have people run it and maybe host every once in a while. I mean, Brad Garrett does that in Vegas, and it's a very successful club. Uh, but I think comedy clubs are uh, they're tough business to make money at. I mean, the store like has it nailed down to a science. I mean, every room's sold out every night. Uh, you know, the lineups are just like all-star lineups every night. That's true. Um, and, but, you know, it's, I think you make your money on the booze. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I mean, it's like any hot. I've got, it's, I've, I've got like an idea, though. Go ahead. Any what? No, I mean, any bar. Like, that's why bars make, I mean, these gay bars uh, make just boatloads of money. What did you, you know? do before comedy? I was a fitness trainer. I was a bartender. Oh, okay. So, I mean, but I mean, I've always wanted to own a bar. Yeah. Even though I've never had a drink in my life. Same. I've 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 wanted a nightclub or a bar my entire life. I want to make money. Yeah, same. Like there's a bar down the street, Mickey's. Uh, I love Mickey's. But it's packed seven days a week, seven nights a week. Uh, it, I this place would make money. I, I, the next nine eleven could be happening. Mickey's would be open. It'd be a nine eleven party. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it'd be yeah. a nine eleven white party. Uh, It'd be crazy. You know, it, if you come to West Hollywood, if you're not in Hollywood, you come to West Hollywood on vacation or something, and you want a good fucking time, and you're you're not you don't get like weird when gay dudes touch your butt. Definitely go to Mickey's. Mickey's is the place for you. I love Mickey's, dude. The bartenders are amazing. They're so nice. I mean, dude, I like the ahead. Abbey a little. I mean, uh, I don't go to bars a lot. I go just, to the Abbey. It's, it's, a, it's a little more straight vibe. Yeah. Like so, I, well, they not, took it over. Well, I I would say it's sixty forty, okay. it's gay straight. Okay. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but uh, I went to a lesbian club for the first time last week called Thirst. Where's that at? That's like literally one parking lot over from the Abbey. Okay. And I mean, this party has got three hundred women in this place, like maybe seven dudes, and some of the prettiest ladies. Oh And there's yeah. dancers. And by no means does that mean flood our fucking club with penis. With you hearing me fucking say this on the podcast, people party where you've been partying. But it's really fun to be partying in West Hollywood at this time. Oh, it's, uh, you know, the, the energy on uh, the Friday or Saturday nights is just it's electric here. It's like I think the closest thing to New York. And it's all in a three-block radius. Oh, like yeah. Robertson, not, I don't want to get too local for out-of-towners, but, you know, from, say, Robertson to, uh, you know, La Cienega. It's like nightclubs, bars. It's, yeah. Now I think they're, most of them are allowed to be open till 4. So there's just an energy. That shit's amazing. You And then, when yeah, that's so true. When some close down, you're walking on the way to your car, and it's a whole nother club rocking, and you're like, wait, what time do you guys close? Yeah. 4 a.m. You're like, oh, shit. How much does it cost to get in? $35. All right, I'm going to go home. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> well, now they're trying to, I think, in some of the bars, Mickey's, the uh, Abbey, and uh, the other ones where they're trying to get uh, the license to serve booze till 4. I wish they, I hope they get it, because that'll be a fucking fun night, dude. There's nothing worse than when the club's closing. 
I mean, I don't know if I want that just because I'm on that street in between Mickey's and the other clubs. And like, uh, nowadays, my biggest problem is the fucking Ubers uh, who line up at my condo to the end of the street waiting for the drunks to call them. And it's just like, it's a clusterfuck. That shit is a pain in the ass. Uh, Ubers are so rude. Dude, for the ride share industry and the consumer... It's really convenient, but for people that if you have nothing to do with that shit and you're just a bystander or you live close by a club or a stadium or something, it's a pain in the ass. And I've definitely had some rude Uber drivers. Well, like at the comedy store, they park basically in the driveway. So, you know, on Sunset, you have a very... um, Oh, the parking shit. You have a limited amount of time to turn into the lot if if you're going there for your spot. And they don't give a shit. They just look at you and like, and I'm like, guys, I got traffic coming. Like, you're in the fucking driveway. You know the big lot to the right of the comedy store where the the billboards, like right before Pink's, there's, you get the black truck Ubers sitting in there taking up parking spaces. And you're like, dude, I, you know, if you, God forbid you have a show upstairs or, or wherever and you need to park, like, I'm not a past comic. I can't park in the parking lot. But if I'm on... Any type of show happening in the belly room or anything else, I got to make sure I come early and find parking or else I miss my fucking spot or something. Like, it's bad. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got the meters on Sunset, but that you got to put the money in every hour, oh, or, yeah. you know, and then. But even uh, there, they, they park there and just sit in the car. Oh, yeah. Now you've got uh, that lot to the west of the store. There's been some break ins recently. Like, I heard about that. Carmen Morales. Uh, very very funny uh comic got her laptop and all her joke books stolen super funny super so funny comic. oh yeah very carmen's carmen's been on the podcast so all right are we wrapping it up we are wrapping it up just because here's my goal we're at like an hour and 40 minutes okay i want people to go i want to come back yeah or i want pink fox to come back not pink fox needs to shut the fuck up no no not at all i just want you know in the pot <laughs> you know in the podcast world you always want um we could talk for another hour about the actual process of the transition, which I'm, uh, I, I think Robin and I talked about that in great depth because, you know, as a straight white honky. That's true. Uh, we I'm, talked comedy most time. Like most of this time, I thought it was going to be a whole trans thing. So did I. And we just talked comedy. But I literally told you, and I, I mean it with every guest, uh, I hit record. I have no idea what my first question is going to be. Yeah, uh, and most times it works out. Sometimes I'm like, "Oh fuck, this person's boring. I don't know what to ask him." That doesn't happen that often. It's happened maybe. Uh, this will think. I think this is episode two eighty three. Maybe uh, under five episodes that's happened. Well, that's know. a good ratio. Well, sometimes you don't have a chemistry with someone, and that's true. But we talk fucking. I mean, shit, we talk outside of this yeah we talk i mean you can't force chemistry but yeah. we probably talked for 20 minutes before this podcast exactly um so uh where can uh, promote your shit this is the 100%. segment of uh just instagram twitter sh- current shows coming up and then we are donezo got it so um i have a show coming up pink fox presents which is my all-female show that uh, i produce at the Comedy Palace on Thursday, September 26th. Uh, one second. Thursday, September 26th. 
And I'm going to give you my lineup right now, but I need to pull the fucking Please do. Out. It's all good. Uh, let me get this plug out of the way while she's pulling up the lineup. Inappropriate Earl is on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help. And if you don't like the show, leave the review. Like, um, you know, one review was for Robin Tran's episode. You could clearly tell it was a straight, I'll guess, white comic going, I never thought I would listen to a Vietnamese transgender comic for two hours, but I loved it. Or say it sucks. Like, it's, <laughs> like the algorithm is reviews and ratings. So when you guys complain, I only interview my comedy friends or hockey players you don't know or some bass player from fucking Enough's Enough or Doc, and you want me to get Tom Cruise on? Well, he's not going to come on a podcast that has six reviews. <laughs> exactly. You got to leave them. Yeah. Leave the fucking reviews, man. Tell us how you feel. All right. Uh, the first one had, I just, I want to say the first one because I want to give them credit because they were fucking amazing. And then I'll tell you who's on this one. I had Punky Johnson headline from the comedy store, Sarah Keller, who uh, helps put together Rose Battle, Audrey Stewart, Jasmine Lee uh, was in Atlanta. I booked her, but I'm getting her on one soon. Um, but I booked her for that one. She was just, she had some TV stuff come up. Uh, Gabby Lamb, Stephanie Wayne, and Jasmine Carter. And they fucking slaughtered. They brought the house down. I was so proud of them. I love them so much. On this one, on Thursday, September 26th, I have Leah Lamar, Sarah Mowry, Justice Singleton, Rosalie Mayu, Leah La Leah, uh, Leslie Liao, and Jolene Lunzer Hernandez. And all of these ladies certified. I've watched all of the clips. I've seen them in person. I mean, I don't book women I don't think are funny, and that's just what it is. If I don't think you're funny, I'm not doing you a fucking favor. If I think you're funny, I'll book you. And that's how I feel. Um, because I, I, I just want to be able to create more opportunities. You can follow me on Instagram at ComedianPinkFox. That's two X's. Uh, Twitter at Celine Comedy, S-E-L-E-N-E, -E, Comedy. And uh, you can find me on Santa Monica Boulevard shaking my ass most weekend nights. Make that money, honey. There we go. Uh, Celine, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you, Earl, man. I appreciate it. And I, much love for you. Much love to you. And uh, become fans of Celine. Support her shows or stand-up and uh, future gigs. And, uh, you know, like I said, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't do Apple, some people don't. Do SoundCloud. Can't leave a review, but you can interact with me on SoundCloud and leave comments. And uh, next week is Jay Davis, the booker of the Laugh Factory. And uh, you may know him from uh, Dane Cook's Tourgasm, which was a controversial, uh, not a documentary, but a film about Dane's touring. And Jay was opening at the time, so we'll get into that. And uh, watch the Alec Baldwin roast, Everyone Killed. If you like my humor you might hear some jokes coming out of ken jong's mouth that uh possibly came from my brain i'll see you later yeah.